Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actors Space. This podcast is brought to you with the support of Creatives at Work. My name is Laura Key, and I will be your host for this series. In the Actors Space, we talk about the working actor's life. How do we pursue our love for acting while navigating the business side of this craft? We aim to create more conversations about the challenges of building a sustainable acting career in Singapore. And in this final episode, let's talk about money. As actors, how can we manage our finances so we can survive and thrive and better plan for our futures? And for this episode, my guest is none other than Edward Choi. So Edward, do you want to share a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, Laura. My name is Edward Choi. I'm a professional actor and uh, I, I do a whole bunch of other stuff also as a self-employed arts professional. But in my previous life, I was very briefly a banker. Mm. I quit that job in 2009 during the great financial crisis. And since then, I've been investing for myself. And of late, I've also been expanding into financial literacy. I have a four-episode four series on Yahoo!, and I do give talks to self-employed arts professionals as well as graduating students uh, from arts institutions. So, you know, in acting, especially, we've been talking about a lot of unstable income, especially mm-hmm. because we're freelancers and all that. Uh, is there a way you think we can manage to, like, you know, plan for the future and retirement and all that, and we want to buy a house or have a family? You know, <laughs> you have all these goals, but we don't have enough yeah. money at the end of the day, right? So for anyone who doesn't have full-time employment, which is most of us, most actors are freelancers, we, the first thing we don't have is CPF, which is a major problem when it comes to getting housing because in Singapore, you can use your CPF to offset the price of your house, uh, the loans, things like that. So that's problematic. So that's number one. Number two, you have to remember that our income as you said, is variable. It is not fixed. One month you might earn more, one month you might earn less. So that also becomes a problem because if you take a loan to buy anything, let alone a house, that payment is fixed. It is not variable. Your income is variable. So where should we start, Laura? What should we start talking about? Well, I think you did talk about CPF earlier on, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Do you think we should contribute to CPF? Okay, let's talk about CPF. Uh, I have a very strong opinion about it. And my view is that CPF is fantastic. Why? Because it is a guaranteed 25 to 5.5% interest. Guaranteed. Government will give you that. Sorry, 25 to 5%. I apologize. Uh, and that is insane. There is no risk. Okay, there's your money is not gonna disappear. And a lot of people right now will say that, Edward, you're insane. My money is locked up, but at no risk. Remember this. Okay, it is compounding. The interest is fantastic. The problem is that the earliest you could possibly see any of it is when you're 55. Mm. And then after that, at 65, you can't really take out a lump sum unless you've reached the uh, basic retirement sum, the BRS. Yeah. 
and it converts into an annuity. A lot of people don't like that also. They want the lump sum. But I'm telling you, this is a great thing. CPF is amazing. Yeah, I always say that if you don't have a backup plan, I think CPF is probably the best plan you can have. Especially if you don't yeah. know how to invest, you know, how to grow your money beyond putting it in a bank. Yeah, the opportunity cost of leaving your money in the bank is spectacular. Okay, so interest rates have gone up recently. Great! How much is it? 0.1% for your basic savings account. If you do one of those multiplier things, good. But the problem is that as a freelancer, we can't take advantage of the salary crediting bonus. So what's the alternative? The alternative is either you invest for yourself or you put it in the CPF. Otherwise, you're leaving in the bank to rot. But there is a lot of fear of getting your money locked up. And I have some friends who say, oh, uh, I'm never going to buy a house anywhere. So why should I put my money in CPF, right? Oh my goodness. In <laughs> Singapore, if you don't own a house, if you're renting, I, I've come to the conclusion that you are poor. I'm not saying this to demean anyone or say bad things about anyone. I'm just letting you know it's a fact of life that in Singapore, if you don't own the property you live in, you are going to stay poor. Why? Here's the thing, your rent will always go up. And at the end of your life, when you're planning to retire, you have no property, nothing. You've paid rent all your life. On the other hand, if you own property, when you're, say, 60, 65, 70, you plan to stop working. I don't plan to stop working, but some of you might. Hey, there's a house you can sell if you feel like it and do whatever you want. I don't know. If you rent, you do not have that option. You will always be poor. Your only hope, your guarantee in Singapore is property. And this is why, also folks, uh, why the government makes it so that property prices are unlikely to ever crash. Because that's where all our retirement money is. And what we're going to retire with. You take the property value away, Singaporeans cannot retire. Mm. But you talked earlier about loans. I think um, very early on, I also I also thought about loans and that's why I started you know, reporting taxes and all that. And reporting tax is really important if you want to get loans, be it for houses, be it for cars even. Yeah, thank, thank you for bringing this up, Laura. It's really important, folks. Please, please, please report your taxes. If you want a credit card, please report at least 30000 annual income for at least two consecutive years if you want a credit card. And credit cards are good as long as you don't max them out. If you're able to pay them every month, great. If you're unable to, bad. Don't touch it. Uh, back to what Laura was saying, if you want to take a loan and you are a freelancer, HDB can be very kind. The banks, not so much. HDB, if you go to them with a pile of your savings or for the last 12 to 24 months, show it to them. Look, look at my bank account. I get money every month. Okay. What I did on top of that is I took my CDP account and my broker printout. Here are my stocks and shares. Here are my investments. Look at the money I have. I can pay the, pay off this loan. I can service the loan. My wife also took all that she had. She didn't have investments, but she had her savings. And HDB was like, okay, fine, we'll give you some money. 
don't feel like just because you're a freelancer, you won't be able to borrow money. Can. Can borrow from who? Borrow from Garmin. Borrow from HCV. They'll make you do a statutory declaration, but bring documents to back it up. Actually, personally, I took a uh, bank loan uh, because HDB didn't give me a loan. Oh, no! What was <laughs> because, that like, Laura? Because you know why? Because um, mm. savings are very important for HDB loans. And so what happened was that year, my fiancé, now husband. So that year, he had actually taken $50,000 out of his savings uh, to open a business. Oh, no. Yeah. So, so they didn't like that. Yeah, they didn't like that. So, yeah, I have a business now. Isn't that great? But HDB really didn't like that. So I think savings are really important for you if you want to get HDB loan. So, so there's I a lesson to, there from, yeah, yeah. from Laura, which is <laughs> if you are planning to take a chunk of money out of your bank account, do it after you send it to HDB. <laughs> apply You're not your cheating anyone. Okay? Yeah, apply for your loan first, send in the documents first. All right, so time these things, folks. Make it easier for the loan officer to approve your application, seriously. yeah. Maybe that's the next thing, next thing we should talk about. Savings, how, right. How do we get this? <laughs> so, uh, I, if you've watched, if any of you have watched my Yahoo series, uh, you will know, it's called Hashtag Adulting. You will mm. know that I have a very simple formula that I keep repeating, okay? Income minus expenses equals savings. That's it. That's the formula. Income minus expenses equals savings. So, you know algebra. You want savings to go up then one of two things must happen. Either income must increase or expenses must go down. Preferably both. Otherwise, <laughs> the savings won't go up. And it's as simple as that. You earn more or you spend less. That's How it. do you earn more? Ah, isn't that the dream, Laura? Uh, so I think for myself, I've discovered as a freelancer, we have the freedom to take on multiple streams mm. of income. Yeah. So... Let's not limit ourselves. And for freelancers in general, the good thing is that we have the flexibility to do whatever we want. And that can be quite amazing. All right, but it's possible. You, you want to earn more? You can just literally work more. Where does the work come from? That's up to you what you want to do. Beyond just using your time for money, right? Because you all like to perhaps have passive incomes, you know, are there any ways of doing that, you think? Yes. The best one in Singapore is property. Not everybody can afford that. So let's move on. Now, if we can't do property, then you're going to have to start taking on riskier things. And you have to understand, there is risk. There are investments that will pay out a certain amount of interest or coupon. And those investments can come in many different forms. Insurance companies will try to sell you their products. And I don't like insurance personally. A lot of insurance agents will hate me for saying this. But I will say that honestly, if you are buying something and somebody is going to benefit from it, then you are losing money to that person. Think about that. Now, that's the con. The pro is that they are there as professionals, licensed professionals, to give you advice. So if you'd rather not think about it, you don't want to learn about it. You just want to say, I, you just handle this for me. Yes, by all means, go to a financial advisor, get an insurance thing, investment, that will give you some passive income. Sure, you park your money there. I'm here to tell you, as your friendly, non-aligned, I cannot make any profit from giving you this advice person, that it is so simple now 
for you to get passive income. How? All of you by now will probably have heard of T-bills, treasury bills. If you haven't, it's lending money to the government. The government gives you interest. That's it. It's as simple as that. What's the risk? The risk is non-existent. Why? You're lending money to the Singapore government. It's not like you're lending money to the Argentinian government or something. You just Google how to buy T-bills Singapore. Step-by-step instructions, folks. And it's really, really simple. I think the latest T-bill was 3.65%. We're recording this uh, in April 2023. Yeah, last year, I had relatives who got T-bills at 4.4%. I can't give anyone financial advice. I'm not licensed to. But consider it. Please Mm. consider it. Interest rates won't stay this high forever. Okay, If you really don't know how to buy T-bills, you don't want to deal with that, then there's always the bank. Give them a fixed deposit lah. Okay lah, take the fixed deposit. You know they say how you, when your income increases, your expenses also go up because whatever you see, you'll spend. Uh, I think my auntie once said that, you know, you have a threshold. Like you can only tahan, right? <laughs> this much money in your savings. <laughs> and then when you see it hit that amount, you're like, okay, I have to spend it now. <laughs> oh no. It's, it's funny. Human psychology is a really strange thing. Uh, let me introduce you to a concept called Parkinson's Law. It's not scientific. Parkinson's Law says that the demand for anything, any resource, any finite resource, will always expand to meet its supply. So I, I take the example of homework. Your teacher tells you, uh, please hand in this homework by next week. So you take a week to finish it. If your teacher tells you, please hand it in tomorrow, you finish it by tomorrow. Same thing, okay? You have $10,000 to spend, you will spend the $10,000. Your income goes up to $15,000, you will spend the $15,000. Your demand for it will always go up. So how do we hack that? My best advice to you is to hide money away from yourself, okay? I strongly recommend you find a way to hide money from yourself. I use uh, my broker's, so I put my money in the brokerage and eventually I buy stocks and shares with it or crypto uh, in some cases. And I won't touch it because I don't want to touch my investments. I don't want to sell my investments. So that's how I hide money away from myself. If you don't want to invest, maybe have a bank account that is harder to withdraw from. So there are a lot of digital banks right now. You stuff it into the digital bank and then you don't touch it. If you see... And this is the truth. Huh? I only have less than $2,000 at any given time in my savings account. I never have more. It's always hidden away. So every time I see that, I'm like, okay, can I all spend? Yeah. So of course, expenses have to go down, like you said, and income has to go up. Uh, now, I think we can talk about something that is very important to actors in Singapore. That's uh, income, right? Oh my goodness. This is the thing that... So if you own a company, you might want to stop listening to this podcast right now because I'm going to give advice that's going to be incredibly adversarial to uh, business owners, but hopefully very useful to freelancers. I've discovered, folks, that uh, companies will always lowball you. The first offer you get is always the lowest that they are willing to offer you. So always negotiate, no matter what. And... If they ask you to quote, here's a fun game to play with them. I find different ways of saying, why don't you let me know first what your budget is? Please let me know your budget. How much have you allocated for this? How, can, how much can I expect to be paid? 
And if they refuse after many rounds of you telling them, then quote them a stupid number and give them the caveat that, oh, this is open to negotiation. But I want to tell you that I've quoted stupid numbers and people have said yes. So don't underestimate your self-worth and also don't underestimate the budgets that these companies have. Yeah, I've been on shoots where I've been surprised that I'm being paid $1,000 when the shoots budget is over $200,000. And I'm the lead. I'm the principal talent. I'm getting 1K. Folks, how does that make sense? And this is where the business owner will come, hey, 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 don't like that. I have a lot of costs to deal with. Yes, of course. But does it make sense that I'm getting 0.5% of the budget when I'm the main face of your ad? And also, I think in an earlier episode, we did talk about not subsidizing the producers uh, because a lot of our, you know, we, we don't include a lot of our costs, our business costs into our fees as well. So think about, oh, we're going to spend five hours on set and that's it. <laughs> I, I love it when they try to pay you per hour instead of per, per project. And uh, folks, this is important. We are creatives. We are artists. and We offer something that the average person in the street cannot. So know your value. And I, I'm not telling you to say no to everything, but at some point, you have to consider that there's a threshold beneath which it is an insult for you to take a job. Okay, please, please, please maintain your dignity. Because otherwise, and I found this true for myself, uh, you're going to show up to work with this niggling feeling in the back of your head that you're being underpaid, and that's going to affect your work. Have your standards, have your thresholds, and don't go below that. Yeah, it will make you feel better uh, it'll make you feel happier. But I will also say to actors out there as well, you have to make sure that you're working on yourself, right? And your craft to make sure you do your homework, make sure you're prepared so that you can command that high amount and the client is happy to pay you that high amount. So the next time you probably can call you back for another job and, you know. Yeah, thanks for saying that, Laura. It's, it's really important what you're saying because not everybody can be an actor. What we offer is important, is valuable, it is unique. Yeah, don't undervalue yourself. <laughs> Definitely. And I think also, um, because you did mention being on an ad earlier on, mm. right? Uh, so there's something called loading. Yes. Okay, okay. Let, let's let's go to go to basics. You create, let's say you shoot an ad. So there's an intellectual property, right? You've created a product. Yeah. Okay. The ad is the the product. So this thing. You get paid for creating that product. Now, that product is only valid for the first loading cycle, typically between 6 to 12 months, sometimes as short as 2 to 3 months. Okay, So that's in that payment to you. If outside of that loading cycle, outside of that 3 to 12 months, they want to run that ad again, you must be paid for it again. It is not a one-time payment. Your work should come with recurring royalties. Then, if you're a bit younger, you're new to the industry, you're like, uh, how do I even begin to talk about this? Well, just ask them, what's the loading? Yeah, And if you don't know the number, it's loading is usually anything between 50 to 100% for additional cycles. 
some companies might tell you, oh, we can only afford uh, 25, 30%. So that's up to you whether you want to decide. But if you don't negotiate this before you sign, you're going to have a problem. Okay, the loading must be negotiated before you sign on the dotted line. But now a lot of things are also in perpetuity, correct? Because everything is digital. Ah, if they want to have it in perpetuity, there is, you should include a buyout clause, right? So folks, you, you can say, if you don't want me to charge for loading, why don't you just buy me out? You can use this forever. And then you charge them an appropriate fee. Lah. That's up to you to negotiate and work out. Uh, they might tell you there's no budget. Ah, yeah, they will always tell you there's no budget. Lah. All right? Get that out of the way and then say, yes, I recognize that. Thank you for letting me know. What can you pay? So is there anything else you would like to talk about? Humor me, okay? Yes, this yes. is about insurance. Mm. And as much as I always put down insurance agents, I say that they're terrible, you need insurance. If you're a freelancer and you have no insurance, you are in trouble. Don't even think about investing if you have no insurance. Please, get your insurance sorted out first. And because I don't trust insurance agents, what I do instead is that I go and do DIY insurance quizzes. Like Money Owl has that also. They take you through a quiz. They ask you for your needs. And then they give you options. And then if you want to, an insurance agent can contact you to help you buy the thing that you created for yourself according to your own needs. In this way, you can be sure that your needs are being served rather than that of the insurance agent. The insurance agents, in exchange for the advice they give you, they take a lot of commission. This is the reason why when you surrender your policy early, you don't get the same amount back. Okay, It's not a penalty. The money's gone. They've paid it to the agent and to the insurance company. So with that in mind, why don't you think about just buying term insurance? What is term insurance? It's insurance without investments. At this point, you'd be like, huh? What do you mean? Did you know that if you just buy a normal life insurance policy, it comes with investments? Your insurance policy is an investment. A portion of that goes to protection, which is the actual insurance. The other portion goes into this black box and is invested by the insurance company and they can do anything they want with it. And they will give you an amount of their choice. Okay? So term insurance, what is it? It is just protection. You get no money back because there's no investment element. Yes, you will never break even on your insurance, but then it becomes a lot cheaper to buy protection. And you can be assured that you're only buying protection. If nothing else, you don't want to, yeah, all this is too complicated. What, what, what should I get? Get an integrated shield plan, okay? At least get that. And then on top of that, you go and buy term insurance for critical illness. You get those two things. And then if you're a performer, you're actually someone who goes and does acting. You have to move around. Get accident coverage also, okay? Get personal accident insurance. Get those three things. Integrated shield plan, critical illness coverage, personal accident coverage. Done. Okay, you're done with insurance. I mean, the other thing we talked earlier is about our very variable income, right? So with all that, it's important to get insurance because if anything ever does happen and you're not able to work, then you do need that coverage to help you go through the times and to support yourself so you don't have to burden people around you. 
as well. Thank you for saying that, Laura. It's yeah, what you're saying is so important. Yes, get insurance so that you don't end up having to borrow from your relatives, having to set up a GoFundMe and hope for the best. Yeah, don't lah, don't. And I think yeah. earlier on you did speak about Money Owl, and this is not a promotion for Money yeah, Owl no, in any no. sense, but <laughs> this is uh, Money Owl is a social enterprise, and they do not yeah. earn money from giving you advice. So yeah. what's helpful about them is they have like a website where they compare different insurances. Mm-hmm. So you'll be quite surprised to see like, you know, the same type of insurance, which in Singapore is regulated because the government does say that, you know, a certain type of insurance is cover certain things. And you can be very surprised to see the huge like variance in the fees. You From know, different insurance, insurance companies. It's the same, it's the yeah. same insurance, but you're paying like yeah, same coverage, different yeah, fees. Yeah. And it's like, ooh. And you don't get that if you go to one insurance company, yeah. Yeah. If you go to the, so Money Hour is an IFA, an independent financial advisory. They yeah. can buy insurance from different companies. <laughs> Isn't it better, folks? I don't know. I think it is. Hey, get different quotes, right? Like what Laura is saying. Yes, you can get different quotes from different companies. Get what's best for you at the end of the day. It's really, it's not being loyal to a company or to an insurance agent or to your best friend or something. It's really mm. what's best for you at the end of the day, I think. Oh, having said that, uh, this is a quick one. Uh, okay, and again, insurance agents will hate me for saying this, but I have to say, don't buy insurance from your friends or your family members, especially your auntie, uncle. Okay, don't do it. People will be like, what? Then why? your mom will be like, honey, why are you like that? Why you say this kind of thing? Huh, your auntie sell insurance for so many years, you can trust them. You can trust them to act in what they think is your best interest. But then it also means that you can't question them about it. It becomes very hard for you to push back and get something that makes sense for yourself. You will end up saying, okay, la, I grew up with this person. I am sure this is right for me. You won't know what you bought. It's very hard to get out of it if you yeah. do want to get out of it at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of us as freelancers, sometimes we fear talking about money. I mean, not only in terms of negotiating, but also in terms of planning for the future. It's important to put in place a plan, I think, so you can at least plan towards a better life for yourself. I think as actors or as you know creatives, we always think we're struggling for art. <laughs> and I, I, I don't really like that. I think um, being a struggling artist is really not all it's cut out to be. <laughs> that we, we, we really should think about having better lives for ourselves and not just simply struggling. I think we have decent... I, I mean, Laura, you've been doing this for a number of years now. You have a decent life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're doing okay. I, I think I'm doing okay. Uh, my wife's doing okay. It's possible to have a decent career being an artist, being a freelancer in Singapore. You just have to make sure you're not doing stupid things with your money. Uh, last thing, Laura, before we go, I suddenly remembered, I want to encourage you, if you're in debt... Uh, if you already owe money, please pay it off. Don't borrow more. Don't, and especially, please don't borrow from illegal loan sharks. That is a path to destruction. Just take the legal means. Yeah, If you don't know how, there are lots and lots of resources online. Just type in, I'm in debt. What can I do, Singapore? It is not the end. Okay, I've reached... I'm speaking as someone who has lost all my money doing nonsense on the stock market. I literally went to $40 left in my bank account. And I recovered from that. Okay, it is not the end. If you do something stupid with your money, please, it is not the end. It is just a matter of time. You can and you will earn it back. If you're in debt, pay it off. You can and you will pay it off. 
Your life is valuable. And that's the most, most important thing. Don't give up. If you want to learn more about Edward's experience, <laughs> there is another episode, I think, on Freelance Creative Exchange where he talks about his psychology of money. So that's an earlier episode on the Uncool yeah, podcast. I, I talked to Sean and Yenling about uh, the psychology of money, some of the things we covered here also. Yeah. And if you want the full deal, check out my four episode series for Yahoo. I'm very proud of that because I wrote it, uh, I presented it, and I feel it's a very concise introduction to managing your money you watch all four episodes i can guarantee you you have a good foundation to build from okay and with that thank you so much edward for joining me today thanks laura so when it comes to the lives of working actors money and finances are really important because at the end of the day we all work for money and money is not a dirty word i think we all have to learn to manage our money be it in the form of savings, investments, CPF, insurance, or even retirement funds, so that we can better provide for ourselves, our families, and our futures. And with that, we've come to the end of this six-part series. I hope that the actor space has been helpful. Whether you are an aspiring actor, a working actor, or you simply wanted a peek into the lives of working actors in Singapore. And as always, if you want to continue the conversation, you can drop me a comment or message on my socials. I can be found at LauraKeyLT on Instagram. In the meantime, please follow Freelance Creative Exchange, rate and review us, and tell your friends all about the actor space. And I'll catch you again next time.